Welcome to the All Swell Podcast, a student-led podcast in partnership with the Coastal Society and the American Shoreline Podcast Network. We're your hosts from Duke University student chapter of the Coastal Society. Hi, I'm Eva. I'm Nora. And I'm Kara. Today, we'll review what the Coastal Society is, who we are, and what we do, and how we got here. Then we'll give a little teaser of what's to come in this season of All Swell. The Coastal Society is an organization of private sector, academic, and government professionals and students. The Society is dedicated to actively addressing emerging coastal issues by fostering dialogue, forging partnerships, and promoting communications and education. The Coastal Society is a 501c3 nonprofit organization established in 1975. Today, the Coastal Society has an established role in addressing emerging coastal issues through its communication activities and professional networking options. As I mentioned earlier, we represent the Duke University student chapter of the Coastal Society and are joined by four other student chapters, Eckerd College in Florida, University of Rhode Island, University of North Carolina, Wilmington, and our co-host for this season, East Carolina University. All right, y'all, before we splash into our conversation about us and our backgrounds, here's a brief message from our sponsors. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and CoastalNewsToday.com are brought to you by LJA Engineering. With 28 offices along the Gulf Coast, the folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration, coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numerical modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. Be sure to check out their brand new Coastal Resilience Department, headed up by ASPN's own Peter Ravella. Find them at LJA.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Coastal News Today Daily Blast newsletter at CoastalNewsToday.com for daily updates on the events and news that shape the coastal discussion. Want to support the discussion and promote your company? We have sponsorship packages available now. Email me to learn more at Chloe at CoastalNewsToday.com. That's C-H-L-O-E at CoastalNewsToday.com. Hope to hear from you and enjoy the show. Welcome back. So team, let's talk about why we love being a part of the Coastal Society and connecting with experts in the coastal fields. And I'll start. I'm Kara. We host a variety of events and opportunities to connect, like with the newsletter. But my favorite events I've attended were hosted by the Coastal Society, our parent organization, and they were called Coastal Connections Timely Topics Webinars. Of course, during the time of COVID, we really adjusted to more of the virtual world. The first Coastal Connections Timely Topics webinar that I attended was back in February, and it was about offshore wind. It was so inspiring, and it actually got me to take the class that I think all three of us are in this semester, which is Offshore Renewable Energy. Another one I attended was actually back in July, and this one was focused on aquaculture. So just in those two examples, you can see the diversity which the Coastal Society focuses in. But this one was really fascinating because the panel on aquaculture brought in voices from the federal side of of aquaculture, the NGO or non-government organizational side, and industry leaders in aquaculture. All of these have had awesome information, and I've personally made great connections. Pro tip, if you come to any of the Coastal Society events, definitely make sure you LinkedIn that person after you meet them. That's (laughs) been a best practice for me. It was these types of events and opportunities that got me interested in the Coastal Society. And this year, I'm serving as the vice president of the Duke University student chapter. Thanks, Kara. So like Kara mentioned, the Coastal Society has done a wonderful job in the 
now Zoom heavy world that we have during COVID. However, I was lucky enough to first be introduced to the Coastal Society prior to the pandemic. I first became interested in the Coastal Society a couple of years ago when I was working between undergraduate and grad school, and I attended a mad half-day workshop that was hosted by the Duke in DC office. I was eager to get involved with the Coastal Society later on when I started at Duke, and I was selected last year as the first year representative, and I'm now serving as president of our chapter. That's so cool, Eva. I actually didn't realize that you first learned of the Coastal Society as a young professional before even starting grad school. That's really neat. Um, Nora here, I'm the treasurer. I was really excited to get involved with the Coastal Society, both to foster a coastal loving community at Duke University, and also to take advantage of the professional development opportunities that, um, that the society ranges, like Eva mentioned beforehand. Yeah, so speaking of fostering community, this month, in fact, last weekend, we actually hosted our annual coastal cleanup partnering with Carteret Big Sweep on International Coastal Cleanup Day. This was begun by the Ocean Conservancy and takes place the third Saturday in September each year. This year, we collected, along with undergrads, postdocs, PhDs, and staff and faculty from Duke, 178 pounds of trash from the main waterfront in our town. And the Ocean Conservancy even shared our story on their Instagram page. We also might be getting a shout out from a local newspaper, along with other groups who worked with Carter at Big Sweep. So it was a really successful day. For sure. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I was really impressed that we were able to collect almost 200 pounds of trash in less than two hours. Um, It was really neat to see people not directly involved with the Coastal Society join us at that Coastal Cleanup Day and volunteer their time and and help to pick up those 200 pounds of trash. Um, It was also really exciting because it serves our goal as a student chapter of the Coastal Society to help Duke students, but really everyone connect to the coast um, and connect with each other in professional development settings, across disciplines, and in more informal settings like the Coastal Cleanup Day. In addition to these informal settings, we also have those formal settings, right? And I'm not sure if y'all have caught on to uh, Eva mentioned this, but the MAD workshop will actually be hosting one toward the end of this semester, most likely in December. So stay tuned. But to help aid in these goals that Nora was just talking about. But the MAD workshop, what is that? Well, MAD, M-A-D, are the initials of the late Margaret A. Davidson, an icon who mentored and befriended many of today's coastal leaders. The Coastal Society honors Margaret's legacy through a series of career development workshops to benefit early and mid-career professionals and the next generation of coastal practitioners like us. In honor of Margaret's lifelong commitment to the coasts and those charged with protecting them, most of these workshops feature a strong mentoring component, one of which I've personally benefited from. And we hope this has been a good introduction to the Coastal Society and what we do. But now we'd like to shift a bit to talking about the three of us and our program here at Duke. Duke's Master's in Environmental Management program is inherently interdisciplinary, covering physical science, policy, economics, and social science approaches to managing environmental resource use. The three of us are focusing on coastal environmental management. So we look at marine and coastal resources in our coursework and our master's projects, which are wrapping up this year. And we get to study at the Marine Lab in our second year of our master's program. Duke University's Marine Lab is in Beaufort, North Carolina, just south of the Outer Banks, 
where our colleagues in the East Carolina University podcast hosts are sitting. So we're on the Southern Outer Banks or more commonly known as the Crystal Coast. We are so lucky to be able to study in this gorgeous inlet of North Carolina. We have access to incredible ecosystems from salt marsh to rocky intertidal to deep pelagic or ocean systems out in the Gulf Stream. In fact, earlier this morning, I was in uh, my marine mammals class with Eva, and we saw about four coastal bottlenose dolphins just outside our lecture hall window. They're cruising in the channel between the lab and the Rachel Carson Reserve, which is another amazing spot that we get to explore and we can observe natural systems in. And Beaufort also has a rich history as a fishing community. It was founded in 1709 and invaded or Perhaps visited is the right term, I'm not sure, um, <laughs> by the infamous pirate Blackbeard a few times. Kara, you have a lot of knowledge about the rich history, right? I do. Actually, I've been in and around the Carteret County community for a few years now, about a decade, which whew, puts some years on me. But I love this area, and I was first introduced to it um, back in 2012 when I was actually interning at the North Carolina Maritime Museum in Beaufort. And my internship was with the lead nautical archaeologist on Blackbeard's Queen Anne's Revenge, also known as the QAR, which is the ship that Blackbeard used and actually was sank out here, literally all just a mile from about where we're sitting. And she's only in 28 feet of water. But the fun fact is... That was not Blackbeard's original ship. It was actually a French slave ship called the La Concorde, and he took it in 1718 before he sank it out here in 1718. So speaking of interdisciplinary, I could go on and on about (laughs) pirates all day long. (laughs) But speaking of interdisciplinary, as Eva brought up, we agree with our co-hosts at East Carolina University in that an interdisciplinary approach is invaluable to solving wicked coastal issues. Creative problem solving, diversity in mindsets, that all creates better solutions. And it just so happens that not only is our program interdisciplinary here at Duke, but our chapter members, and specifically the three of us, come from very different backgrounds. Eva, tell us a little bit more about your background. Sure. I also just want to point out that there are several different disciplines within our Master's in Environmental Management program. And you would think that a coastal environmental management program would be more narrow, but I love that the three of us exhibit that that's absolutely not true. There are so many different approaches to managing our coastal resources. So for me, I probably have the most traditional path in getting here out of the three of us. I studied environmental science in undergrad, also at Duke, and I focused on oceans towards the last two years of my program. I used to work in all physical science, and I wanted to just do lab and research and field work my entire life. But now I do a mixture of science, policy, and advocacy in order to affect change. After undergraduate school, I worked in research labs and for a state government uh, program prior to coming to Duke again. My research in a bioacoustics lab, which just means sound, essentially, uh, focused on dolphins and sound-producing fish And I looked at how human noise impacts can actually impact their lives and their reproductive cycles. Then I shifted to government work, which involved bringing together different stakeholders in the Chesapeake Bay in order to protect bay resources and livelihoods. So I clearly have some experience working around water, but I'm from landlocked Atlanta. So you might think, (laughs) how did I get here? Uh, Of course, I took some occasional childhood beach vacations like many of us do, 
but I actually watched a TED Talk in middle school, which (laughs) might tell you how young I am, uh, that discussed the classic, though maybe not completely accurate, analogy uh, that we've explored more of outer space than the oceans. And 12-year-old me was just flabbergasted by this. Um, It made me be interested um, and curious about what all was out there on our own planet that we had yet to discover. As I got farther into environmental science and ocean science, I kind of developed more of uh, a desire to protect these unknown resources than just learn about them. So now I'm kind of more focusing on conservation and management so that we don't destroy ecosystems and species that we haven't even discovered yet. Now I'm broadly interested in protected species management, especially with respect to fisheries, which is a big deal around here Mm -hmm. and in most coastal towns, um, plus sustainable fisheries management generally. I'm really honing in on multilateral policy tools and shortcomings in this kind of conservation during my second year in this program. Nora, what about you? I know your path looks pretty different from mine, (laughs) but I think it's really cool personally. Thanks, Eva. Yeah, I love uh, imagining you as a 12-year-old in middle school watching a (laughs) TED Talk. It's so cute. And it's a really beautiful trajectory that you just laid out for us there. Um, So yes, I do have a very interdisciplinary background. Um, I worked as an environmental science educator, both formally in the classroom and informally in the field in the Blue Ridge Mountains of West Virginia, the Rocky Mountains in Colorado, and my favorite from the bow of a catamaran in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of Maui. Um, I've also worked in the field with boots on the ground doing environmental conservation work as a volunteer with several NGOs, including Maui Forest Bird Recovery Group. And I could do a whole episode on that experience alone. (laughs) It was super cool. I got to helicopter up to the top of a volcano and live there for a week. But anyways, going back to uh, ocean work. Um, I also have a background in, hold on to your hats, everybody, theater and storytelling. Um, I worked professionally as a director and assistant director in New York City for a number of years. But when it comes down to it, I've always been a water baby. I grew up coming to this very same coast here in North Carolina, spending countless hours getting rocked by the waves on a board, (laughs) still doing that, (laughs) or eavesdropping underwater on dolphins, echolocating as they came in close to the shore break, and generally just spending that invaluable time outdoors observing and learning. But I came to this program because of its interdisciplinary nature and because I'm able to take classes, you know, like Eva mentioned in policy analysis, law, technical skills like GIS, uh, even some coding in there and fit in field work whenever possible. So I'm using all of these tools to equip myself to hopefully affect change at a larger scale in the policy and management realm at a bigger scale than what I had been doing, which was educating one classroom or one whale watch at a time, reforesting threatened habitats one tree at a time. So I'm, I'm pretty happy to be here and with the two of you. We're happy you're here too. Yes, man, I wish I could live on a volcano for a week, I'd be pretty nervous to do that. Um, As y'all may have found earlier when I was talking about Blackbeard and what brought me down here originally in 2012, or initially in 2012, was I come from a very squiggly line background to where we are today, uh, which I am 
a little intimidated by Eva, your science background, but also grateful to be in your company and, and Nora with you and your storytelling. Um, so I grew up in a really small town in Virginia, and we always just came to the North Carolina coast for vacations twice a summer, every summer. And that was what we looked forward to as a family. So like you, Nora, I fell in love with the water from an early age and specifically North Carolina beaches. There is truly nothing like them in the rest of the world. So I have always loved beaches, but I also loved history. And I grew up in a family that really uh, cherished storytelling and, and hearing from my grandparents on their experiences in the Great Depression and World War II and, and the Korean War as well. And so I ended up pursuing a history degree at James Madison University, go Dukes. Uh, and when I was there, I had the opportunity to work in kind of a weird way as a student in the Office of Parent Relations and fell in love with higher education. And no one goes to college thinking, I'll work in education or higher <laughs> education. And so that led me down a path to work in fundraising and philanthropy in higher education at Elon University, which is also here in North Carolina toward the center part of the state. While I was at Elon, I also had the great opportunity to pursue yet another degree. So I was working full time and got my Master of Business Administration from Elon as well, which really opened my eyes to the world of business and consulting and marketing and communications. So I really jumped right on in to uh, an ad company, a tech startup in Durham, North Carolina, where I was able to literally sit on webinars before they were cool, <laughs> sit on webinars and train folks about branding and communication and reputation management, which was so much fun. But I had kind of an epiphany when I went to an event hosted by the North Carolina Coastal Federation, which ironically, I actually interned with this past summer. But I went to an event for, their, uh, for that organization. We hadn't really heard of it yet. It was just one of those kind of one-off things that happened. And when I was there listening to these impassioned people talk about the work that they do and the impact that they've had here on these local North Carolina communities, that's when it clicked for me that I could make my passion of the North Carolina coast a career. And so I took the leap. I wanted to bundle up all of my experience. That's not totally relevant, but it can be applied. I wanted to bundle that up and take the leap to go back to school. And I was grateful to be here at Duke. Um, and now I'm looking at, you know, just how from a 30,000 foot view, can we work with local governments and local communities to really make sure that we're building resilience in these areas that we care about so much. And so one thing that I've noticed not coming from a science background is that there's a huge gap between science and practice and policy. And so I'm hoping that I can find my niche in making sure that we're bridging that gap and making sure everyone feels supported and gets the facts that they need to make sure that we are more resilient. And that's why I'm so grateful for the Coastal Society, because that is what I want to do in action, right? Bringing all these stakeholders together to make that difference. That's so cool, Kara. And We've got a hard science background, an MBA, and a storytelling science educator. <laughs> three of us. But back to our podcast, All Swell, we'd like to give you a little teaser of what's to come in our upcoming season. So some of the topics we're hoping to explore include an international reach. Um, I spoke e earlier about how lucky we are to be studying here at the Duke University Marine Lab in North Carolina. But we also have an international footprint in the research that we conduct outside of the U.S. as well. 
In fact, our Coastal Society advisor, Grant Murray, has PhD students working in Tanzania and Canada, just to mention a few. So we hope to share some of that exciting work with you in future episodes. Definitely. And recognizing how large of a threat climate change poses to our coasts throughout the world, we're also looking forward to touching on topics related to this. These might include approaches to sea level rise, such as living shoreline implementation, management solutions in practice and in general, as well as maybe speaking to some practitioners who work in this field. We also want to touch on equitable management of our coasts and including equality and inclusion when we do things such as implementing living shorelines or giving out grants to coastal communities that might need to uh, deal with sea level rise in the future. Thank you for listening to this episode of All Swell. Be sure to tune in for the next episode from East Carolina University about recent research in North Carolina fisheries and how to include local knowledge in fisheries management. I'm really interested in that one. Me too. If you have any questions, want us to cover a topic, or suggest a person to be interviewed for this podcast, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram and Facebook at Duke Coastal Society. Thanks to the Coastal Society for supporting our show and to the American Shoreline Podcast Network for hosting us. And to St. Sheen, a.k.a. Alexei Levchenko, for our intro and outro music. Thank you again. And remember, where there's a will, there's a wave. <laughs>